All right, humans, how's it going? Um, it's been a good while since I've put an episode of this out, but I um, I decided to take a break from the Psychic Self-Defense series to do a quick episode on liquefied natural gas, LNG. And I've got William Hederman here from Future Proof Claire uh, to explain to us what the crack is with that. So I suppose it would be better, rather than talking about what LNG is to begin with, we should first maybe describe what fracking is because the two of them are int- intimately tied together. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know the ins and outs of fracking, can you maybe give a breakdown of what, what that is and why it's a shite buzz? Sure, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so fracking is uh, also known as hydraulic fracturing. Um, and in terms of the actual terminology that's used, when you go searching for this stuff, very often industry doesn't use, they're, they're very, you know, the language becomes very kind of nuanced and Orwellian. Mm. Uh, unconventional gas or shale gas that's where the industry and a lot of the media sometimes refers to it uh, they talk about the shale gas boom in North America yeah, but it's yeah. basically fracking and, and fracking or hydraulic fracturing is a method of uh, extracting gas from under the ground uh, places from where it's more difficult to get there's conventional gas where you just put a pipe you, you just drill down and the gas comes up mm. um, Fracking is in shale rock, so the, the gas is trapped in rock and um, the, the company drills down, they actually drill down vertically and then horizontally. So they drill down through, uh, quite far down, through aquifers, through water tables, for drinking, which are used for drinking water, and, mm-hmm. and then down into the gas um, deposit. And uh, they pump down huge quantities of water, sand and chemicals in order to fracture the rock uh, in millions of s- small fractures uh, and that releases the gas and the gas comes rushing back up into the pipes and comes back up through the actually through pipes which are running through aquifers it's very important again through the water mm-hmm. table and back up um, and uh, this has allowed uh, for gas to be extracted from places where it was difficult to get to before and there's been a huge boom uh, a lot of people are probably familiar with that uh, the United States was a net importer of fossil fuels and of gas and it's now a net exporter ex- exports uh, yeah. just in quite recent years um, in the past decade or two it's uh, become a big exporter of gas um, so there's there are huge environmental and human health problems with with fracking it's been it's been banned in several countries including Ireland we'll come yeah. on to that so um, because of uh, th- there are all kinds of problems people may be familiar with earthquakes um, but the big issue really is the contamination uh, of the water supply um, because ultimately uh, the, the pipes are cased in concrete, but concrete, you know, they're always going to leak sooner or later. Any engineer will tell you that they can never actually be, be secure forever. Mm. Uh, and there's been a lot of contamination of water um, and uh, there are various other you know, emissions and air pollution and all kinds of problems from fracking. So several countries have banned it, including Ireland. So since it's it's already been banned here, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this podcast will probably already be aware of it, that, but we just, I just thought it was important to bring it up in case someone's listening who, do, who doesn't know what it is. But why are we talking about it again then, since it's already been banned here in this country? Sure, yeah. Well, let's say fracking was banned in 2017, and that was a big victory for the um, for the environmental movement, for grassroots environmentalism uh, um, campaigns, mostly around the Leitrim Roscommon area, yeah, yeah. and and also across the border in Fermanagh, and that's still a threat on that side of the border. Uh, but that that was a huge uh, victory, and Ireland is one of very few countries that has banned fracking. But now uh, there's the possibility that we will import fracked gas from the United States, mm-hmm. um, 
and LNG. That brings us on to LNG. LNG is liquefied natural gas. And again, that's another relatively recent, it's an even more recent development that it, in, the, in technology, more recent than fracking. LNG has just come on again about the last decade or so. Um, liquefied natural gas, where previously gas had to be transported through pipelines. Um, so you couldn't transport gas, say, from North America to Europe. Uh, but now gas can be transported basically anywhere around the world in huge tankers. They uh, liquefy the gas and cool it down. Uh, it's it, it's cool a lot and it's condensed to one six hundredth of its volume. So it's a huge, you know, it's, it's a lot more gas fits into small space so they can bring quite a lot of gas in a tanker. The tankers are among the biggest, the biggest ships in the world. Some of them are 350 metres long. It's really incredible. Yeah. Um, so that's what's proposed for the Shannon Estuary. That's the, the, the most prominent uh, project. And there are several other proposals. But So that would be a, a landing station for these ships. That's too. right. So that's Shannon LNG. Uh, so just to finish, sorry about the LNG. And then when it's it's transported, it's it's condensed and liquefied and it's put into ships. It goes across the ocean and then it's when it gets to the other side, it's it's regasified and goes into pipelines. Mm. And that's key. There are a lot of stages in the process and that's key. We'll come back to why LNG is actually so harmful for the climate. Um, that's kind of relevant. But the proposal for Shannon LNG, which was the first LNG proposal for Ireland, which first got planning permission in 2008. And this is in County Kerry. So on the Kerry side, I live in Clare, just and across the estuary, the Shannon estuary. Mm from us in Clare is um, uh, North Kerry. It's around between Tarbush and Bally Longford. Yeah. Um, and uh, the proposal, as I say, got planning permission in 2008 and the company that was involved, Hess, a US corporation, they eventually pulled out. Yeah. Um, and in somebody kept it going um, and reapplied for planning permission. And on board Planola, extended planning permission because um, planning permission only lasts for 10 years. So they extended it in 2018. Um, and they actually broke their own rules in doing that. There was very sloppy, um, mm. but like a lot of age, you know, like a lot of state agencies and bodies, uh, quite often very kind of favourable to, to big industry. Um, and Friends of the Irish Environment, which is a quite a small NGO, but they do amazing work mostly in the courts. And uh, they took a case which they eventually won in the past couple of years, showing a high court case which found that onboard plan had broken its own rules. Right, yeah, yeah. That's why there was a new planning application. There's now a new investor um, called New Fortress Energy. Uh, great name. Um, yeah. It's obvious with names like that. We also have Predator Oil and Gas. What? Are you serious? Yes, there's, a, there's an oil and gas. Uh, they're brand new. They're just in the last year or two. Predator, that's that's a statement, isn't it? Jesus it Christ. really is, yeah. yeah. They're not holding back. And I suppose if you think about who who, they're, who they have in mind, it's not it's not local communities um, or the environment or anything they're thinking of there. It's, it's, inv- it's all about investors, I suppose, with names like Predator and New Fortress. That's who yeah, you're thinking yeah, of, your yeah. investors. Um, so... Um, but New Fortress Energy is owned by the US m- a billionaire Wes Edens. He's actually the owner of uh, Aston Villa Soccer Club and he owns um, some other big sports teams in the US as well. But um, he, so, so New Fortress has a new, a new proposal and they just lodged planning permission just uh, there in the last few weeks in September, I think it was so September 2021. Uh, and a few of us uh, from Future of Clare and Schliella from f- four groups altogether, we occupied the site there in September mm. um, just going to coincide with the planning permission being lodged 
Um, the other groups of Schliella, which is great if people are looking to get involved in um, environmentalism. There is an anti-capitalist uh, environmental campaign with, with members all around Ireland, Schliella. Um, and uh, also it's ourselves in Future Proof Clare and uh, an international group called Shale Must Fall and then also a local group, Future Generations Kerry. So, you know, a broad grassroots campaign. And um, actually, just on that subject, I, I, we, we didn't really do a proper interview there, uh, in, introduction there. We just kind of got stuck into the technical stuff. So do you want to um, maybe tell us a bit about Future Proof Clare and about yourself? How you kind of, how did you get involved? How did you first hear about it and what perked your interest about it initially? Sure, yeah. Um, so that's a, it's a grassroots campaign group in Clare. Uh, it's been going since about uh, 20, it's going about three, uh, three or four years now. Um, and uh, we've mostly been campaigning against Shannon LNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been the, the main campaign. We've also recently been campaigning against uh, Ennis Data Centre, the proposal for a huge data centre near Ennis. And, and um, you know, envir- environmental issues in Clare and elsewhere generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm also a, I'm also a freelance journalist, so I sometimes write about the environment as well. And um, yeah, so that's that's huge. Clear. And I say they're they're not another campaign group, not here, not anywhere. Who I think you featured before. On yeah, the we've had to have a couple yeah, of them on. They, before, they yeah. do brilliant work on um, around LNG. They're a, mm. a fossil fuel anti fossil fuel campaign group. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great name. That not here, not anywhere. Yeah, you know, we, we won't accept it here. We don't won't accept it anywhere else. Either. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's kind of a kickback or a, or a retort to the NIMBY. You know, not in my backyard. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. saying, no, no, we're not. That's not what it is. It's, we don't want it here or anywhere. Yeah, you know? yeah. You mentioned uh, one of the one of the other campaigns there is, is the data center in Ennis, and you you spoke to me before we started recording about the there's there's um, a sort of strategic link between data centers and LNG. Do you want to talk about that a bit more? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So people probably will have heard about data centers because there's been a lot of them in the, in the news at the moment. Um, yeah, and, and where to start? Well, I suppose starting uh, starting in Ennis, um, this proposal came up. The Clare County Council uh, two years ago in twenty nineteen, they they rezoned land um, to and changed the county development plan to to accommodate a, a plan for a data centre. This is something. It's a bit of a mystery as to why the, why and how the council the council officials um, uh, decided that a, a data centre was where they you know that was the future for 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 Clare. And uh, I think a big councillors have told us actually privately that probably the 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 rates it would pay is a big um, is probably a big draw for the council because uh, you know local author- local uh, go- local government local authorities aren't very well funded in Ireland you know our democracy is quite centralised yeah um, yeah they don't have much power at all really yeah right? exactly yeah. and so something like um, and actually Money Point is due to wind down although now it's getting a bit of an extension because of data centres but the, the, that's supposed to be the, um, the coal burning power station in Money Point which isn't clear that's on, on the, being wound down mm. so that would be a loss of rates um, and you know so big big businesses pay rates and uh, apparently the data centre would, would pay a lot because it's a really really massive data centre that they want to build right. so um it, the planning permission was lodged a few weeks ago in July, um, and you know it's just the same kind of planning permission process as for a bungalow in Lynch or whatever. It's just five week when you know they they lodge it to the council, and you can make objections within five weeks. And it was in the middle of summer. Not a very, you know, and this is something. This is a project with huge implications for Ireland's uh, energy 
system and also for the global climate like it's a really big question but that's just something that the local planners will decide but and there wasn't much of a con there was a consultation process um for people living close to it um mm. but um yeah so we kind of launched a campaign and, and lots of other people in clare and elsewhere and uh you know we raised a lot of uh awareness about it and we found when we just looked at the planning application um and this is the really amazing part because i think people you know the impression you're given about data centers is a lot of greenwash around them and it's mm. not just the companies it's also some politicians and, and others who talk up how big tech is you know amazon in particular and big tech generally they talk about mm. going carbon neutral uh, about being quite green and uh, how their data centers are going to be powered by renewable, renewable energy um and they, they they invest here and there in renewable energy in a way that they can you know they can make it sound like that's what they're doing but actually if you look at a lot of the data centers are going to in Ireland are um, like the, the, the increase in data centers is resulting in a ramping up. We're actually now starting to burn more fossil fuels right. rather than fewer. Uh, and th the case for Shannon LNG is becoming much stronger because of because of, of data centers. In the case of Ennis data center, the electricity, we, we actually had to check and double check and checked with engineers and you know, we, we found out we were right. We couldn't believe the figures involved. So the proposed the, the, the proposal for Ennis, first of all, the size would be about the size of um, 17 soccer pitches. That's how big uh, yeah. warehouses, six data centers okay. and uh, various other buildings, including uh, gas turbines on site. So it's a 200. The, the electricity, um, the, the, the electricity consumption, so the, the load basically will be 200 megawatts. Right. Now a lot of people wouldn't know how much that was, but that is that is the equivalent to the amount of energy consumed uh, by about two hundred, just over two hundred thousand homes. So that's one data center would would consume as much electricity as two hundred thousand homes. That's all the homes in Ker Clare, Kerry, and Limerick combined. I thought you were going to say, "Oh, it'll be as much as the town of Venice." Yeah, it's far greater than that. Even you know, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's mind blowing. It really is. Yeah, I don't know, that's about that's about ten percent of all the homes in Ireland. Um, you know, so actually, I mean, for example, if every household in Ireland just hypothetically got really serious about their their own sort of energy and, and thought, right, we, we have to do something about the climate, let's reduce our own energy use at home and everyone yeah. reduce their energy by 10% in every household in Ireland, that saving would be wiped out by that one data centre in terms of, of electricity consumption. Yeah. Um, and we're not talking about one data centre when we look at it nationally, though, are yeah. there's, there's, there's yeah. uh, they're, they're popping up pretty rapidly. Yeah, no, I mean, there are 70 operational already and there are plenty more uh, kind of in the pipeline. Yeah, so mm. just just to stick with energy data centre before I forget. So then uh, that that's the electricity consumption. That's broken down 60-40. Um, 60% of that... Um, I think sorry, 40% of that would come from the grid. So that's taking electricity off our the national grid, which is already yeah, yeah. under a lot of pressure. Um, and that drives up our emissions. Um, and then secondly, the other 60% of the, the, that electricity consumption would come from on-site gas turbines. Um, so that's basically a new gas burning power plant that they're building in with the data centre. But I mean, that was, you know, before we started campaigning and raised awareness around, nobody was really aware and clear that that's, that was what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, and, and, and local authorities are, you know, the local authorities are kind of operating, that the, the, there isn't really a national picture being taken into account, you know, the climate, environment, energy usage, they're just thinking locally, thinking, oh, there's rates. 
And of course, they think, oh, there'll be jobs, there'll be investment. Now, um, data centers in practice employ very few people. Um, but um, that's yeah. it. Do you, do you know what about that? Like uh, the, the numbers around that? Because I have seen that come up a lot. I've seen the, the renewable energy argument that oh, they're going to build a solar farm on the roof or whatever. And then also that they'll, they'll provide direct employment and indirect employment for the area. But what? what yeah, my understanding yeah. of data centers is like that. They don't actually need a very big scale. Yeah, I mean, uh, data centers that exist already um, employ just a handful of people, um, very, very few. Now, it's you know, with a lot of this stuff, it's very difficult to, 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 to find, to get, you know, solid information because the, ap- the planning application and the PR, um, you know, around the, the media kind of coverage and that of the spin around NS Data Center was talking about uh, a couple of hundreds, sit around the people in front of me, a couple of hundred jobs. They, they they were proposing, they are proposing to have a, what they call a vertical farm on site. So this is a way of using the, uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of excess heat. Um, so, as you know, a big, the, the reason they use a lot of energy and also need a lot of water, by the way, say so the Ennis data centre would use on hot days when the temperature is 26 degrees or higher. So on a warm day, they would use half a million litres of water per day. Um, and again, that's about 40 percent, ne- nearly half of the uh, water usage of the whole town of Ennis. And, and it's that would be treated water they'd be mm. taking. Um, so they're huge users of energy and water. And um, the uh, that's to cool uh, to cool the servers. Mm. Uh, but both electricity and water are used to cool the servers. Um, and so there's um, they're, they're, they're sucking out warm air. And in, a, in some of the countries in Europe, they're. Um, there's a lot more tighter regulation of big tech in general and in relation to data centres they're usually made to supply that warm air to district heating system whatever now that hasn't really happened in Ireland so far but that's something that some people are calling for Um, and so that is part of the proposal in Ennis you to 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 redirect the air into a vertical farm so this sort of sounds like sort of hydroponic yeah, yeah. Um, you know you'd have these basically indoor growing and they'd be growing food so of course the planning application and the press release about the administrators and talked about how they'd employ these people and they'd grow all this food and it's a kind of a kind of greenwash to be honest because overall it's a yeah. climate disaster and environmental disaster but that's you know they put those things in there and so there's that helps them yeah. to bring up the job numbers and, and that yeah, that pi- that paints a fairly utopian picture, all right. That the, the data center will have plants growing out of it, and it, it's it's all like a, a a circular system. But it 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 does seem like it would probably be a tokenistic tokenistic gesture, really. Yeah, like yeah, balance, no, like. Yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah, and and people tend to um, you know, politicians who are in some cases cheerleaders for for big tech. Um, we've seen that quite a bit in the recent controversy, and also you know in the media and elsewhere. Uh, will pick up on this stuff and um, in quite a simplistic uh, coverage and, and say, oh yeah, they're they're doing this and they're doing that and, and the greenwash can, can really work quite well. I mean, just to give you an example, um, last week, Fergus O'Dowd, who's a Fine Gael TD for Louth, he was on uh, debate against Breed Smith because Breed Smith of People for Profit had a, a bill last week um, pr- proposing a moratorium on data, which is very sensible. Like a lot of people, a lot of NGOs and and, and uh, are calling for a moratorium, just even a pause until we can assess what our energy needs are and our mm. priorities in terms of energy and climate and where we can, where data centers should fit into that. Uh, so he came on the radio with Breed Smith and RT and, and said, data centers uh, can help Ireland to achieve our renewable energy targets, which is sort of 
kind of the opposite of what's actually happening. I mean, there's so much extra electricity demand that we're going to end up with more fossil fuels and, and um, renewables are going to end up being a smaller proportion of our mm. of our overall electricity demand. Uh, he said that en- the data centre, Amazon, is building two data centres near Dra- Drogheda uh, and that they are going to be investing, they're going to be contracting to supply the equivalent of 185,000 homes that amount of electricity mm. so again that's kind of quite clever language that's 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 a sort of a greenwash or a spin from Amazon which is worked there and it's been picked up by a politician what's actually happening there it's called a it's called a, a corporate power purchase agreement a CPPA if we want to look it up so what's involved there is basically that Amazon in this case mm. buys into a wind farm so if you if you're building a wind farm and I'm Amazon I just come along and go throw a load of money at you and say um, we'll buy that renewable energy that allows um, it, it allows I mean I, 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 I don't want to be too cynical but I think the you know the greenwash element is a big one there because it yeah. allows the big tech firm to say hey look we're, we're, we're using renewable energy um, but what it means in practice is that those wind farms um, are being built anyway there's no shortage of demand for wind um, we're all trying to, you know, the government is trying to move us over to wind. Mm-hmm. There are wind farms, and there's a limited number of wind farms that are going to be built because there's, there's opposition to wind farms, and there are issues with wind farms. There's there's an inherent, um, you know, you, it's it's not enough to just say we'll just build modes and modes more wind because now the next, you know, the next plan is to build huge amounts of offshore wind, and that's mm-hmm. that's great in a way, but you know, they're building uh, wind turbines, ma- manufacturing wind turbines, and you know planting them in the sea there's a lot of there's a certain there's a certain amount of environmental destruction there and it's balanced you know you can say it's balanced out with how it it reduces our carbon emissions but if we're increasing demand a huge amount if we're like increasing demand a huge amount which is what's happening then that's that's that 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 some doesn't really work anymore and what's happening with say Amazon up to keep to go back to that example is uh, those wind farms that Amazon is buying into there they were being built anyway and if Amazon wasn't using that, wasn't building big data centers and taking the p- electricity supply to power their data centers, those wind farms would be powering homes, electric cars, schools, street lighting, small businesses, yeah. everything else. So, so what's yeah. being said by, by, like in it, what the corp- what the companies are saying themselves and what the politicians are saying, is that Amazon are building a wind farm. When in reality they're they're buying into a pre-existing wind farm, exactly. And even if they were building it themselves from scratch, it still wouldn't balance out the power that they're going to be using. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're they're so. So another way to look at it as well is th- is that, um, you know, big tech in some cases is investing in wind energy, but they're also adding so much extra demand, so much electricity consumption mm. to the grid. Uh, that 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 it's kind of it's kind of it's cancelling it out mm. and at the um the you know the, the increase in the, the the growth of data centers is so fast that there's just simply no way Ireland our growth centers can keep up with that yeah. wind offshore wind is going to take um some you know it's going to take a few years to to even get started um and data centers are coming on very quickly so yeah yeah, yeah. can I, I wonder can I I know this episode was supposed to be about LNG, but I guess mm. it, it doesn't make sense to... We have to put that in, in, in its proper context, which involves talking about power consumption, and we can't talk about energy, electricity consumption yeah. without talking about data centres. Uh, so we should stick with it a bit longer, I think. The, 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 
the argument I hear in favour of them all the time well, it's not even really an argument it's just what people say when there's any criticism against them which is but the internet's class and I love yeah, it and yeah. I, I need to have it in my life and like yeah. okay, fair enough so I also love like wasting yeah. the internet so yeah. past times. Yeah. so like what, what's the what do you say to that I mean is there like there, do we do, can you possibly put an upper limit on how much server space you need to yeah. have a, an internet that's people get what they need from it yeah that's, know, that's a really good question yeah. yeah yeah and I wanted to come on to that yeah because I mean, that's and that's we're not hearing much debate around that we're not getting much information around that um yeah, you know, what you hear, and it's, you know, of course, it's, what happens is, you know, a certain amount of our campaigning, say, in our campaign and others, is is, is on is on social media, and you also always get people going, uh, well, um, this Facebook thread, uh, this Twitter thread is on, a, like, a data centre, so you guys should just shut up and go away. Yeah. Like, yeah, great argument there. Um, yeah. th- the thing is, there, there's so many, I mean, where to start with this? Uh, yeah, the internet is growing exponentially. Uh, I'm not an expert on this area but I have been talking to people to people who are and, and thinking about it for and reading up on it and um, like the the internet is growing so fast and it's going to keep growing that it can't actually continue like if you know even if there wasn't a climate crisis you just simply you just run out of materials and space and you know t- to build you need so many data centers there would just be hundreds of data centers everywhere there mm-hmm. has to be um, now People to say, oh, everyone's using the internet, and we all watch Netflix. Um, therefore, we just just accept data centers. I mean, that's just really a terrible argument. I've tried to think of analogies for this. I mean, one maybe is, you know, uh, if somebody's campaigning against sweatshops, uh, to say, well, we all wear clothes, you know, mm. and a lot of them come from sweatshops. So you know, you just shut up, like you know, that's yeah, yeah. that's we 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 obviously we obviously uh, endorse sweatshops because we wear clothes. I mean. You know, people, it, it's not like people, it's not like what people want. And mm-hmm. we didn't, it, individuals or consumers, to use that lovely term, we, you know, didn't demand. It's not like 10 years ago we said, oh, I'd love to have more data storage. You know, yeah. no, <laughs> nobody want, really wants it. It's business that's, you know, big business is driving. That's a, you know, that's part of big tech's business model. It's well, all big business. That's the model. It's the neoliberal model of, mm-hmm. of growth. And expansion, you, you more data, more energy, more demand, more supply. Everything just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, um, which is which is, I suppose, behind a lot of the problems in the world: climate, climate breakdown, among others, energy shortages. Um, yeah. So, so for example, I mean, one of the problems is, I suppose, we're not a people have very very little awareness of. There's very little information given uh, about the environmental foot, the climate footprint. Uh, of data storage mm. so for example like my I don't I don't back up my laptop to the cloud and they got the term the cloud again you know it's it's great it's sort of marketing it gives you a do it's just this you know nebulous harmless thing you know mm. it doesn't doesn't really make you think of big huge um, warehouses full of, of, of servers um, but backing up, I don't back up my laptop to the cloud um, but my la- I have an Apple laptop and Apple quite frequently tries to encourage me to do it and mm. they almost sort of try to induce anxiety you know there's this hint that there'll be a problem I'm going to run yeah, into difficulty yeah, yeah. if I don't back it up mm-hmm. that's that's nearly 500 gigs that they want me to back up to the cloud and then of course the more they get us to all store stuff online not you know they're going to they're going to lock us in and mm-hmm. we'll end up um, being dependent on them and having to pay for it and that kind of stuff it's all part of their business model yeah, you yeah. know there are now computers being sold which have very small hard drives and they're actually designed to be you know you just store everything on the cloud more and more businesses going in the cloud mm. we're going towards a cashless society that's not that's not people 
demanding that or driving that's big business that's driving that mm. um uh just like with single-use plastic i mean when single-use plastic was introduced somebody was showing me some ads recently from the 1950s and 60s when plastic was new mm. and it was their ads encouraging housewives to use single-use plastic i mean that's that's something that advertising and business has driven those things from yeah, the start yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then so there's so many a- angles to this but there's also you know um in recent media coverage around data centers the, the examples usually given are what are data centers data centers are when you share a cat video when you send an email when you watch netflix it's always those examples that mm. about you know it's that whole individual responsibility thing a lot of what's happening again I, I don't have the exact figures and there's very there's very little information about it but a huge amount of data processing and data storage that's happening in data centers is uh bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies for example um what else well porn the dark web you know then loads of uh, and then of course data mining so a lot of what uh social media giants and big tech is doing with our data they're store they're obviously harvesting huge amounts of our data all the time and running processes on it and a lot of a lot of that would be great to know how much um uh, you know how how much uh, how much of the activities how much of the storage and activity that's happening on data centers in Ireland is is doing that kind of thing, and if we have a more we need a moratorium, which a lot of people are calling for now, and that's one of the things we can as a society, just you know, be presented with the information about what are the different things that they could be used for, how could they be, how could data storage uh, be reduced, and we can decide how to prioritize what we should prioritize. You know, because I think a lot of people would say. Um, if it's a choice between, um, yeah, you know, we just need to know what the priorities are and get more information, basically, about mm-hmm. data, data storage. Yeah, yeah. Just say d- data mining, that's essentially companies har- like buying data from the likes of Facebook, for example, and using it for marketing or for... Yeah, I think so. Um, d- data mining, I suppose, is kind of a very general term, but um, c- companies like Facebook, for example you know, harvesting and storing your information and then, yes, yeah, selling ads off it, but they're, um, uh, yeah, I suppose Facebook and their partners and other companies, yeah, running analysis of our data um, for, you know, in order to make to make profit off it for, for, for advertising and running mm. their algorithm and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And Bitcoin, that's another fine example of insanity. I, when I first yeah. heard about it, I thought, oh, maybe I'll get into that, yeah, like just running running like some very complex maths in order to create money out of nothing that sounds like yeah. easy i'll do that no problem yeah, I know. but then yeah it didn't take long reading into it just the amount of energy it uses mm. and it's it's just fundamentally so you're literally creating the the idea of value from <coughs> nothing of any value at all it's, yeah it's, it's kind of mind-blowing you know it is mind-blowing yeah. yeah and i suppose i suppose that's a good example again that's i don't know that, that maybe that's not so much big business but it's it is an example of a very unregulated world you know and that's you know you know business and the internet's relatively unregulated mm. and uh, to go back to your question of how should there be a limit on how much data there is i mean that's that's a big question we're gonna have to face should, should there be a limit on um you know i can just upload i can just upload youtube videos all day long if i want and i heard mm. read a figure recently that every second of every hour of every day an hour of YouTube, an hour of video is uploaded to YouTube every second. Apparently, you know, mm. there's vast, there's literally no limit. So I, I think that's a that's a discussion that has to be had as well. Like, how can we how can we limit that? You know, we need yeah, to, yeah. to regulate that. You know, regulation 
you know, freedom from regulation is a big in the kind of con- consumerist neoliberal world we live in. That's that's kind of the that's that's what's that's what's cool. But yeah, maybe need to. Yeah, when I hear the word regulation, I, I'm kind of thinking I'm hearing people. I'm hearing anxieties around freedom of speech and freedom of expression and just f- freedom to act. I suppose. But what do we mean when we say regulation about stuff like that? Well, um, yeah. Again, I'd say again. I, you know, I'm not an expert on this, but I think. This is something that uh, that people in Ireland and elsewhere, and politicians and the media and engineers and whoever else can, can we can debate, and and we need to be provided with information about, it and there can be a discussion about what, 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 how we can approach this. Like, what can can we? How can we? You know, I don't know. Can, can you put a, a limit on? Y- YouTube um, yeah, yeah. should there be a quality control or something? No, that's that's a joke, you know. But I mean, like you know, if it's contributing to climate breakdown, then you know we probably need to do something about it. I suppose a key thing as well is we don't, as I said, people don't know what the carbon footprint of it is. There's no, you know, when you when when tech companies or social media companies or whatever encourage you to back up to the cloud or to do this or to do that or to watch more Netflix or whatever it is you're never told that there's there are there are environmental or energy implications yeah. um, so you know it's not at least people I mean with you know I think now with eating meat or flying at least people 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 know about it to an extent and they can make their own decisions about what they want to do about yeah, it yeah. Um, but there's very I'm not, I'm not saying the emphasis should be on personal or individual responsibility. I think the the reason we don't know is because that's in that's in the interests of you know that's the neoliberal approaches like yeah, don't yeah. just keep uh, keep keep stuff expanding and growing and don't yeah. tell people. Uh, also, you know, use marketing to keep a distance between us, the consumers, and the the effects of our consumption. You know, um, yeah, yeah. so we don't keep us in the dark about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yes, that's a good point. Actually, I never thought about that before. Like most. Household electronic items or light bulbs you buy will have an energy rating on them. They'll mm. tell you like there's an, I think it's an A to F scale of how energy efficient mm. they are. It's, it's just, it's just commonplace now. Yeah, you don't see that really on. I mean, there's no information of that yeah. for your online usage or your smartphone usage or whatever. No, but exactly. yeah, no, you're right. It's not. It's not fundamentally. It's not about personal consumption because that's a small fraction of total energy consumption by the sounds of things. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think there's a lot of. There's a lot of research and awareness raising and and debate and discussion to be had about what to do with our data and mm-hmm. data storage, and data consumption. You know, um, yeah. but where the shift needs to be more on big companies. You know, we we never. It's very rare to hear represented in all these debates. We don't hear much from the data uh, from big tech yeah. in these debates. They're kind of being let off the hook to a certain extent. And you know, I think as you say, you're comparing light bulbs, say to data storage we don't I think it's it's it illustrates it's an example of how little regulation there is you know big mm. big big tech is seeing especially in Ireland but a lot of countries of um, you know light touch there's very light touch regulation about data data privacy for example yeah, as yeah. well um, yeah we should probably maybe get turning back to LNG yeah. sorry I, well, I'm, you're, you're in charge <laughs> you're, you're I know I was, I was thinking the same thing <laughs> yeah um, uh, I suppose there you're talking talking about light, light touch regulation, and it's it's that's the that's been the state's approach really to any big investment from 
from uh, what does it call it? In- inward direct investment is that the term? FDI, yeah. foreign, FDI direct. foreign direct investment. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah. Any, any large multinational coming in, it's like they're they're just so delighted to have them there that they don't want to do anything to ruffle their feathers. I reminded of a story someone <coughs> told once about uh, being at a planning meeting in Mayo when the Shell were building their the Cara pipeline, mm. and that when representatives from Shell came in, they sent in their best lads you know lawyers to go and explain the case and when they walked into the room the councillor stood up and started clapping <laughs> do you know what I mean and that's that's that little image there sort of sums yeah. up the whole thing it's like we're just so delighted that yeah. Facebook have their headquarters here and god we can't wait to facilitate yeah. Amazon building data centres and stuff like that it makes me it makes me very sad to think about it yeah and it's amazing this week just uh, you know the case of the whistleblower for example I mean in, in, in relation to Facebook about um, how uh, the the Facebook is prior to, it's not a surprise, we kind of knew this, but uh, Facebook and others prioritise profit over online safety and um, all the problems around, say, online hate speech and polarisation of people. Um, and, you know, in that same week, we hear, as I say, a Fine Gael TD coming out and defending data centres and, and, uh, and actually, sorry, a Green TD as well, Brian Ledden mm. uh, in the Dáil. Um, the, saying that the people who were calling for a moratorium in data centres were cynical and populist. Um, it's really, really bizarre. He mm-hmm. was, and he was calling for a, the data centre growth. This is a Green Party T calling for data centre growth to be allowed to continue and that it was a good thing and it was going to help us to, again, you know, incentivise renewable energy and that you needed to create demand. They would help to create the demand that would allow offshore wind turbines to really oh. offshore wind farms to really get going yeah yeah and this That's, is like yeah. yeah again it's a kind of a it's a it's a very you know for it's extraordinary for a green party politician it's a very neoliberal approach it's like we yeah. just if we create more demand that will help us to create supply and we'll just have more of everything and more expansion and growth and, and you know the, the climate science is very clear we need less yeah. demand that's the key thing it's not just a, you know a good example is cars the Fine Gael, last couple of governments Fine Gael led have said oh yeah climate action yeah we'll have a million electric cars it's just switch everyone over to electric cars when what we need is fewer cars and more yeah. public transport you know again it's you know it's the climate science is we need we need less of yeah. things not just doing them differently yeah talk, talk, the, the kind of I've, I've been trying to talk about climate a bit less which I know might seem counterintuitive at first but I think the focus on that on carbon and on re- reducing emissions does distract a little from the fact that it's not that's not the only problem the problem is over over extraction of resources yeah. and over consumption yeah. and the fact that a Green Party TD would say that is, is completely I can't wrap my head around that at all so yeah. saying, well, we're about to run out of water so if we start yeah. drinking more water yeah. then that will th- that'll be grand then you know yeah. it's fucking yeah it's yeah. It's, yeah it's bizarre but um, yeah. you know so, so we there's the threat of power blackouts this winter and in the next few winters and mm. um the growth of, over the next few years, the growth of data centres is going to keep our energy, you know, con- to continue to put pressure on that, mm. uh, our our grid and our energy system, which is under under a huge amount of pressure. And it's going to make it much, much more. It's going to make it, if data centres continue to grow, it's going to make it impossible for our, uh, to earn to meet our climate targets. Um, and it's also one of the, one of the knock-on effects is uh, that the case for, you know, there are stronger calls for the, the case for LNG terminals mm. is being strengthened. And in fact, just today at an Oireachtas committee, the CRU, that's the Commission for the Regulation of Utilities, uh, called for, uh, said we need an LNG terminal mm. um, 
so, so this is, um, you know, we've had we've had certain we've had the uh, Irish Academy of Engineers calling for this before. We've had various figures from industry and that, but that was actually quite quite depressing to hear that. So that's that's a state body, but they're sort of responding to the energy crisis, I suppose. And mm-hmm. it's a bit it reminds me a bit of panic buying. Um, you know, it's kind of panic decision makes a bit like, you know, whenever people were rushing out to buy toilet paper at the start of the yeah, pandemic, yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, God, there's going to be a shortage and making kind of rash decisions. And it's like it's very short term thinking because um, as again, as also at the same committee today, Barry McMullen, who is a um, he's a professor of electronic he's a professor of engineering in DCU. And he's a he's also a sort of a climate uh, advocate. Um, and he he was saying to the committee that LNG, that's completely the wrong thing to do. Uh, LNG will, LNG terms will lock us in to fossil fuels for decades. We need to, the climate science is very clear, we need to move away from gas um, in in the next few years. I mean, Ireland, the government isn't taking this seriously, um, but in order to avoid climate breakdown, to meet our you know, our Paris climate targets. The whole world needs to move away from fossil fuels, including gas, really, really fast. There's a myth put out uh, by industry and a lot of governments, including in Ireland, also, you know, have signed up to this, that gas is a transition fuel or yeah, a bridge yeah. fuel. And, it, and it's not, the you know, climate scientists are very clear now that um, peer-reviewed science that um, gas, any kind of gas, is as bad as, at least as bad as coal or oil because mm. of upstream emissions. So that's, not just measuring the carbon emissions from burning the fossil fuel, but in the case of gas, when it's being extracted and transported and processed, there's leakage all along the way of methane. Yeah. And the thing about methane is that methane is much, much more harmful as a as a greenhouse gas than carbon. It's mm. um, in the first 20 years after this is going to this is going to the IPCC now and the Irish. sorry, the Inter- Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, yeah, yeah. the IPCC, according to them, uh, in the first 20 years after it's emitted, uh, methane is 86 times more powerful as a greenhouse gas, as a heat trapping gas than carbon dioxide. So and it stays active for a very long time, basically. Well, so no, it doesn't stay active for very long. That's, it's a short lived gas. OK. Carbon dioxide stays in the atmosphere more or less forever for thousands of years. Mm. Methane only lasts for a short number of years, but they're just comparing it. But it's a very it's much, much stronger. OK. Um, and yeah. so in those first few years, um, one of the things that's sometimes said, for example, by the farming lobby about methane is, oh, well, it, it's a short lived gas, so we shouldn't worry about it, mm. uh, you know, because cows emit methane. Right, but yeah. but that's not the point in the first 10 years and 20 years. It's very harmful. And that's that's when it matters. It's in the next 10 and 20 years yeah, that we yeah, need yeah. to really actually try to stop climate, uh, global heating. And mm. um, so so gas is not a super transition fuel. Um, and it's worse if it's LNG because there's more there's more processing it's being gasified put in tank in ships re sorry it's being liquefied and then regasified and and the worst of all is fracked gas um so just on the fracked gas thing and the lng so so there's there the um uh there are it the worst of all is is fracked gas coming by an lng and then lng is not as bad as fracked gas but it's still worse than coal or oil mm. um so 
It's worse than coal, even. Yeah, it's yeah. worse than even coal. And that's, again, Robert Howarth. Again, so I mentioned not hearing it anywhere. If you go to their website and you'll find briefing documents and information very well presented with, with you know, pure, with, with scientific references um, about that. Robert Howarth, for example, who's one of the leading scientists on this in Cornell University in the US, um, he testified before Neurochus Committee a couple of years ago and said that uh, the gas that would be brought in to, for example, Shannon LNG would be 44% more harmful than coal. So it would be, would be, it'd be worse than keeping Money Point open to build right, Shannon yeah, LNG. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just on that, so, so the, the company uh, New Fortress Energy, which is the current owner of the Shannon LNG project, mm. they're promising that the gas that they would bring in by LNG would not be fracked gas. So it would be gas from a conventional source. Now, Again, a bit like the greenwash we talked about earlier, that's been, you know, that's been accepted and that's been repeated. And the government said, well, that sounds great. Um, but uh, there's no, but that's, I just wouldn't believe them. I mean, yeah. you can't, you can't trust these companies and New Fortress Energy, all of their upstream emissions, so sorry, all of their upstream activities, I should say, all of their production, all of their activities are fracking. That's all they yeah. deal in. So that you know. it's, it's nearly all that's left in the States. So it's like either fracked gas or tar sands or, sh- or like some kind of shale. There's very little dimensional gas yeah, left yeah, to, sure. to be extracted, which yeah. is why they've started fracking in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. It, it is very yeah. hard to believe that you could sustain yeah. something like that for that long. Yeah, yeah. I'd be so naive mm-hmm. to build I mean, they'll, you know, if they were given permission and they say, yeah, it won't be fracked gas and they'll build it. It's going to cost half a, half a billion or so or yeah. more to build this terminal. And then if it's found out, oh, hold on, some of this gas is first ago, it's too late now, yeah, or this is how it is. Big. I mean, even Eamon Ryan was on the radio, Minister Eamon Ryan, a couple of weeks ago, and he said, uh, because in theory, nominally, the Green Party and the government are are against Shannon MNG, um, but, and he said, oh, that it couldn't be, in response to the question about what if it's not frack gas, he said, well, I don't think they can actually promise that. I, I don't, it's not actually, you know, it's, probably not really possible technically for a company to be able to say because the gas it's mixed it could be mixed um, but it's just it's very unlikely that they would be able to promise to to, to have non-frack gas Um, and just on Eamon Ryan so uh, the big thing that happened in relation to Shannon and G was in the uh, when the there was a general election as we know at the start of 2020 Mm. and uh, the programme for the Greens were debating whether or not to go into government um, and one of the promises they secured in the programme for government, and this was something, you know, as a result of grassroots campaigning for various campaigns against Shannon LNG and LNG imports generally, was that the programme for government would promise not to allow uh, the importation of LNG terminals and no fracked gas mm. to be imported. And that is, it was on that basis that a lot of environmentalists uh, supported the programme for government because it was a big debate um, around whether the Green Party should agree to go into government and their members all voted and they mm-hmm. voted to go into government and th- you know the, the support from environmental groups and would have been a factor there so that that they made that promise and Eamon Ryan was supposed to bring in a policy statement that was what they promised against saying we won't allow LNG and it took them 11 months for what reason no one can really find out why it took so long mm. the belief is that his department his officials who are very pro-gas wanted to, you know we're putting a, a lot of pressure on and we're trying to keep the door open for Shannon LNG to get their new planning application in uh, he find it gets quite technical but he finally issued the statement in May 2021 May this year uh, but uh, 
didn't, in order for on board Planola, the planning authority and local authorities, in order for them to, to be uh, bound by a policy, it has to be issued in a, in a very particular legal way. The minister for uh, who's responsible for planning, in this case it's the housing minister, Dara O'Brien, who's Fianna Fáil, he has to issue a directive to on board Planola and all the county councils. And he didn't do that. And it's unclear why that happened. Mm. The Greens didn't, maybe Fianna Fáil refused, or the Greens didn't push it enough. At any rate, uh, it, that, that wasn't done. So there's only a kind of a vague statement from... There's just a sort of a statement from Eamon Ryan saying, oh, yeah, we're against Shannon LNG. It's the usual shit, basically. Yeah. Say we'll do something and then yeah. drag the feet until kind of the fudge. next election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a vague kind of policy statement. Yeah. Uh, the Wes Edens, the billionaire and New Fortress Energy, who, who owns Shannon LNG, they're certainly confident that this policy statement from Eamon Ryan is not going to stop them because they've submitted their application. Mm. Uh, and... Again, I have this. I have the not here, not anywhere. Briefing document here in front of me, with a map of all the uh, planned terminals. So Predator, uh, Predator Oil and Gas, uh, they're very keen on one at Cork, a floating terminal off County Cork. Um, but they have, they have four LNG. Sorry, they've th- three LNG terminals and two gas storage um, plans uh, for project planned for around Ireland, and then there's. You know, there are just several LNG terminals and they're all pretty mm. confident that they're going to be able to go ahead. <clears throat> but now with... Is there like is there a planning application in for all these or just for the... I, no, I think Shannon LNG is the only one that has a planning permission applied for. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, it's also, it's also interesting to say Eamon Ryan is saying, in theory, publicly, he's... You know, he and the Green Party and the government are opposed to LNG terminals. But Eamon Ryan, as minister, is defending a court case that friends, it's one of the court cases that Friends of the Irish Environment has taken mm-hmm. against Shannon LNG. And this is this is about a European Union list called the PCI. It's the Projects of Common Interest. So it's this list that the EU deems to be important projects that are important for Europe mm. and that will get fast track planning and get huge taxpayer funding right, and right. Sh- really help Shannon G to get built if it was on this list Friends of the Irish Remember took a case against this uh, saying it shouldn't be on the list and Eamon Ryan defended it as you know on behalf of his department and he's fought the case and he's fighting it all the way to the Supreme Court so he's he's fighting to keep Shannon LNG in action despite being and supposedly against it, would it it's te- I'm assuming it's technically in his power to go no I'm not doing that yeah I, you'd have to presume so yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean it's yeah he's I was talking to friends there. He's the minister, like, isn't he? Like, uh, yeah, he's the minister. No, he could stop. Um, you know, I, again, I think my feeling from, you know, I've been kind of researching and looking at and writing about uh, oil and gas and energy and iron for a good few years. Um, you know, it's it's civil servants, the senior civil servants, and they're the really powerful people. You know, they hold a huge amount of power, the, the, the high up civil servants in the various government departments. They're very pro-industry and there's a sort of a revolving door where um, senior civil servants go into industry and, and vice versa. Mm. Um, and they work together in these kind of teams and bodies and, and conferences. And their th- their belief very much is, oh yeah, security supply, for our security supply, we're going to need, we need more gas infrastructure. Um, and so they're, I think they're putting a lot of pressure on Eamon Ryan um, and he's not really standing up to them. That's my theory. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, yeah, but in terms of security supply, so that's that was being discussed at the committee hearing today. Um, you know, we're told that 
so Carb Gas is going to run out the Carb Gas project, which people probably know of. That's go off Mayo. That's going to run out in the next sort of ten years or so, um, and so we're hearing a lot of pressure. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of a a security supply scare story to some mm-hmm. extent. Um, oh, we've only got this one pipeline from coming through Scotland, and we're going to be very vulnerable. You know that there are actually two pipelines, um, and we hear about Brexit Britain. It's nothing to do with Brexit Britain being in or out of the European Union. Doesn't have anything to do with it. That 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 Brexit doesn't shouldn't threaten that mm. pipeline supply. It's gas from Norway coming through two pipelines from Scotland into Northern Ireland and onto the Republic. They, um, uh, what will what will you know if you want to talk about being vulnerable and security, climate breakdown. That's what's really you know that's um, where we're really vulnerable, and that's where, that's what we should really be worried about. And also. Um, uh, Signing up, you know, being dependent on gas, building more gas infrastructure is locking us into more demand and more uh, gas usage. That's making us that's making us very dependent on mm. one source of energy. Yeah. The investment there needs to be really huge political will and investment in renewable energy of various kinds, an interconnector to other countries, and gas storage. Um, but there's there's such a huge focus on just getting more gas infrastructure that we're not moving in that direction quickly enough, basically. Mm. So that's I think that's a pretty convincing argument against uh, covering the country in data centres and also against Shannon LNG. Uh, if anyone listening was motivated enough to take action against this, what would be what what, what would be steps they could take? You mentioned Sliella and Future Proof Claire and different campaigns earlier. Maybe we yeah. could finish up talking about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose when people. In answer to the question, what do people do? Uh, I suppose when it comes to climate, you know, and this is a, a really important one, um, the the mainstream focus in the mainstream media, and that tends to be, oh, you know, how can you re- reduce your carbon footprint? Um, you know, eating less meat and <clears throat> various things. Uh, th- they're important to do, but mm. there's such a relentless focus on that, and I think a lot of your listeners will be aware of this. And in fact, uh, the term carbon footprint is kind of there's been a couple of articles about this recently the term carbon footprint was it was a it, I think it was BP it was a big oil company that came up with that oh, yeah. um, about 30 years ago uh, yeah as a way to try to, as a it was actually an advertising and marketing strategy to distract people and to shift the focus away from the harm being caused by right, yeah, yeah. fossil fuel companies and onto individuals um, so the response to that really is to say the number one thing you can do is to is to agitate, is to become politically involved, to either join a campaign, to inform yourself, find out, uh, you know, understand what's going on um, and take political action of whatever way you feel is useful. Um, you could start a campaign or join a campaign, you know, hassle your politicians um, and and try to make change that way. That's the most important. Then, then as well as that, obviously, you can change your change your own behaviour as well. Mm. Flying less and so on. Uh, so, in terms of uh, in terms of campaigns, uh, how else you can talk to people as well. Once you've read up on things and found out, you know, as I say, not hearing it anywhere actually. If you look them up online or Future Proof Claire, yeah. find out about what's going on um, and a bit about the science and um, talk to talk to your your friends and colleagues and and family about things. Uh, in terms of those campaigns, that's Schliella. Um, SLI, Vada, 
Ella E I I E. Find them online and not here and anywhere. And the campaign I've been involved in, not is future proof, Claire. And uh, I, off the record, I don't know if I'll get this podcast out in time, but I believe there's a a protest against uh, the proposed data centre in Dublin yes. somewhere in the coming weeks, isn't there? Th- there's a big. So Schliella are organising a protest in Dublin on the 30th of October. Um, that's Saturday the 30th of October so it's a Halloween sort of themed protest uh, where I think people are going to dress up as vampires because vampires are uh, it's kind of portraying you know data centres as vampires because they're sucking up all our energy and water so uh, there's a Halloween tie-in so that could be fun Yeah, could be a good uh, entry point 